Bills Mafia. On tonight's Air Raid Hour, we will be breaking down what to look out for in regards to offensive players as Brandon Bean and co. head to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. But first... One Network Podcast. Here are your hosts, Judge Mathis and Tilt Money. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Air Raid Hour, brought to you by Picasso's Pizza and the Cover One Sports Network. My name is Steve Mathis. You can find me on Twitter at The Bills Guys, joined as always by Dave Tilton. You can find him on Twitter at Tilt Money. If you are watching this live Thursday, 9 p.m., that means the NFL Combine is already underway as some defensive players have hit the field for the Underwear Olympics. But that will not be the focus of our show tonight. That was the focus of our Monday show. So if you want to preview all things defense, head back to our Monday show here on the Cover One Sports Network. Today, we will be previewing offense and what to expect from the offensive players as they hit the field this weekend. And Dave, I wanted to start with the first rumor bomb from the NFL scouting combine. And that comes the way of former ESPN Mm. employee, Todd McShay saying based on the scouts that he has talked to wide receiver is the most polarizing position group after Marvin Harrison jr. He said a majority have Malik neighbors as two Romo Dunes as number three, but some aren't as sold a lot of love for Xavier worthy, Ricky Pearsall, Xavier Leggett, Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson and Javon Baker. Two takeaways from this. Number one, if we're taking this at face value, maybe this wide receiver class is not as set in stone around 28 as we think. And number two, rumor season is afloat. What do we believe and what is a smokescreen? What are your thoughts on this uh, rumor bomb from Todd McShay? What do we believe in? What is a smokescreen? It's smokescreen season, as we know, right? Uh, yeah. That's the draft. It's uh, always smokescreen season. I will say this. I think that it's not surprising because I think that sort of once you get at, once you get past Odunes, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of differing opinion at that on that next group of guys. So like even within the cover one group mm-hmm. chat, you have guys you know, like Tom, he, Thomas, he's really big on Brian Thomas Jr. A lot of the guys are big on Troy Franklin. Chris Chouse is obviously mm-hmm. a big Xavier Worthy fan. And myself, I'm a Javon Baker fan personally. Um, so look, I mean, I don't think it means that they're necessarily think think some of these other guys are bad players or, or not good prospects. But I think when you get into that mixed group, you find one or two things that really maybe for you as a team sets a player apart. And that's kind of who mm-hmm. you, who you target or who you kind of fall in love with. So I do think that it is a deep wide receiver class. That's good for the Buffalo bills, especially this season with the obvious and apparent need. But um, look, I'm having a hard time my, myself kind of trying to sift through, uh, you know, sift through really, I would say after the top three who I think yeah. are, I think are pretty fairly consensus, but after that, yeah. it's, it, mm-hmm. it is a mix. It is a mixed bag. 
Yeah, you're starting to see Malik neighbors over Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. takes, which I really do appreciate because I love Malik neighbors. But whatever order you have it in, those guys are all like top 10, top 15 picks. So the Buffalo Bills do not need to worry about getting a chance at drafting any of those players. So we're going to get into wide receivers in a moment. But before we do, this show is brought to you by Picasso's Pizza. Four great locations in Williamsville, West Seneca, Lancaster, and Blaisdell. Buffalo Pizza since 1980. You can order online at picassospizza.net. And if you're an out-of-towner like us, you can even get it mailed to your home. Once again, that is picassospizza.net. And, hey, free agency is just around the corner as well. So if Mm. you want, head on over to coverone.net and sign up for One Pass Club Access. You'll get 365 days. That is a full year, meaning through next regular season of Cover One One Pass Club access. And that will include all of our free agency coverage and all of our draft coverage over at the Cover One website. And the free agency one, guys, it's huge because you can find scouting reports on draft picks until you're blue in the face. It's very hard to find scouting reports on NFL free agents. And Eric and Anth and all of those guys have done a really good job breaking down who fits the Buffalo Bills, why they fit the Buffalo Bills, what their price range could be, extensive film breakdowns on all of the free agents in this class that sort of fit what the Buffalo Bills are looking for. So again, that's the Cover One One Pass Club access. Subscribe now at CoverOne.net. And of course, do not forget Cover One College Football. We have a new station here at Cover One. You can go and you can watch Cover One College Football. It's got great shows like Cover One College Football Weekly. John and Daniel do a great job breaking down college prospects. So that is all available to you over at the Cover One College Football channel. All right, Dave. Now on to wide receivers. And let's talk about some of the wide receivers in this draft class. And I sort of came to kind of an epiphany the other the other day and i was thinking to myself and we were having this conversation in the cover one group chat and i said brian thomas jr troy franklin javon baker those are the three wide receivers in this in this draft class that i think the bills could take right now that would make me sort of feel warm and fuzzy inside Mm. why make me feel warm and fuzzy inside because they check the box And what I mean by the box is the Buffalo Bills biggest need right now. And the Buffalo Bills biggest need right now is a boundary capable receiver who can stretch the field and can open things up for Stefan Diggs, Khalil Shakir, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook, etc. There are a lot of good receivers in this draft class that we love. Guys like Balakai Corley, guys like Ricky Pearsall. They don't check that box. And right now for the Bills at 28, Brian Thomas Jr., Troy Franklin, Javon Baker do. And Javon Baker probably not 28. He's probably second round. But those are the three I want to start with because they make me feel the most warm and fuzzy inside. To me, Brian Thomas Jr. versus Troy Franklin, can one of them separate themselves? Like, what are we talking about? Are these guys going to be no longer an option for the Bills at 28? Those are the kind of things that we'll be sort of keeping an, uh, an ear out for in Indy this week. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see if those top three uh, you know, if the top three go fairly early, Harrison, neighbors, mm-hmm. um, and no dunes, like maybe there's a run on guys like Thomas and Franklin. Um, 
look, if one of those guys, Thomas or Franklin are there mm-hmm. when the bills pick and, and they're uh, like, to me, I'm kind of agnostic, right. Uh, yeah. Between those two, because I, you know, you obviously see the touchdown production with, with, with Thomas and you see the mm-hmm. incredible yards per catch. You see Franklin's um, percentile metrics against his peers. And he's pretty much beating Analytics them or high, high 90, mm-hmm. 90 plus percentile in almost every comparative mm-hmm. to his peers. So, uh, and we know how much John Helmkamp loves Troy Franklin, although a little bit of a homer with his Oregon play <laughs> there, but in his defense, mm-hmm. A lot of people love him, right? Yeah. Um, but for me, for me, I've kind of fallen into this sort of sweet spot with Javon Baker because with Javon Baker, you potentially mm-hmm. can get a guy like that in the second round. And in maybe in the first round, it's a guy like Byron Murphy or someone that we talked about on the defensive show that falls to you. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you fa- you've paired up like a Byron Murphy with a Javon Baker with your first two picks. And to me, that sounds really appealing. And what's also nice about Javon Baker is that, um, at least in my preliminary research that I've been doing on him, uh, he was checking a lot of boxes for me. And now you're starting to see Eric and Anthony release some of the film clips on him in his release yeah. packages and some of the things that he can do with his body control. He had the 13th highest average depth of target in all of college football for those with minimum of 15 targets, the most receiving yards of anyone in the top 15 average depth of target. So he gets it done and people will point to his drops and he had six drops in in 2023, but he, from a contested catch standpoint, nearly 60%. You look at the average depth of target being up there at 17.1%. He is on the field. He is going down the field trying to make difficult mm. catches. So for him, I'm not, I don't worry too much about drops for a guy that's going down the field a ton, mm-hmm. trying to make a ton of contested catches. Had he averaged uh, 21.9 yards per catch in 2023. I mean, it's absolutely mm. absurd. So, and he can play inside and outside, he can stretch the field. So for me, yeah. Javon Baker is is the guy for me right now. And like I'm not gonna be mad if it's Thomas or Franklin, like I said, but yeah. I've kind of just like he's he's gonna be on my no matter what list. I can just tell you that right now. <laughs> uh and, and, I, and I'll say this too, like Brian Thomas Jr., I think by the time the combine is over, I think I just think there's gonna be so much buzz around him, especially if he tests well. I mean, like Brian Thomas Jr. of these three has the most alpha potential. And I just I just think with that offense and Malik Neighbors and Jane Daniels and all of the different people who are watching that offense because of Malik Neighbors and Jane Daniels, I think Brian Thomas Jr. is probably not going to be on the board when the Buffalo Bills go to pick probably up 28. Not. Probably not. Troy, Fra- Troy Franklin's the interesting one. I'll tell you what. Most of the love for Troy Franklin comes from the mom and pop draft community. Like the I don't want to say amateur because they're not amateurs, but like the under the radar, like the 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 the, the draft Twitter people. Right. They love Troy Franklin. The advanced analytics, very similar to Jamison Williams, who was one of the top receivers off the board a couple of seasons ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, his NFL career has gotten off to a slow start because of injuries. But I haven't seen a lot of the finger quotes connected draft guys, the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays, the Daniel Jeremiah's. I haven't seen a lot of Troy Franklin love from them. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are the guys who sort of have their their ears to the ground. So we put Troy Franklin on this pedestal. Yeah. Uh, 
he he might be a second round pick. Like he might even be a third round pick. Like that speed is blazing. Don't get me wrong. But like, I think we put Troy Franklin maybe on this pedestal. It wouldn't shock me if we get into like day two of the draft. And it's like, man, Troy Franklin hasn't heard his name called yet. And then next thing we know, he's like taking the first half of the third round. Like would not shock me one bit because I just, and maybe that changes this week. Maybe that changes this week. But a lot of the guys who are pretty connected, you don't hear the word Troy Franklin coming out of their mouth. Like Todd McShay today dropped his bomb and it was Xavier Worthy and it was Ricky yeah. Pearsall and it was Xavier Leggett and Lad McConkey. The word Troy and Franklin never came out of his mouth. Um, but you you hit the nail on the head with Javon Baker. I'll tell you what, Javon Baker, I'm not gonna lie to you. He was one of those guys who was like, who? Right? I saw um a couple of people were like, I did a, a did a list of here's my top 10 receivers, you know, heading into the uh into the offseason. And people were like, where's Javon Baker? And I'm like, hmm, this Javon Baker guy, I gotta do some more research. So, you know, I searched up YouTube because that's all really we have access to. I just wanted to get a feel feel for him as a player. Watch some YouTube highlights. Loved it. I'm like, man, this 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 dude's sweet. Then I start looking at some scouting reports. I'm like, oh, we could have a sleeper on our hand, like uh, like mm-hmm. Jaden Reed was a year ago out of Michigan State. Then he blew up the Senior Bowl. Then Eric gets his hands on some of the tape, and Ant get their hand on the tape, and they're watching the tape today, and they're breaking down the tape today. And I'm like, this guy's gone from like my third, fourth round sleeper to legitimately i think nfl circles at the senior bowl former alabama recruit he blows up the combine we mentioned on monday's podcast the term no man's land that area between pick 28 and pick 60 Mm -hmm. that's probably javon baker's sweet spot at this point so if you're the buffalo bills like do you trade back and make javon baker your first pick do you try to trade up from 60 uh do you just take him at 28 like these are some things that you might have to start asking yourself this week in Indianapolis because Javon Baker checks a lot of boxes for what I think Brandon Bean is looking for in a wide receiver to complement this receiver room. Yeah, and I think you hit it perfectly. I think he's going to end up being in that no man's land between the Bills' first round pick and the second round pick. And like a lot of people are going to be like, what? That seems so high for him. But like, it's really not, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have guys like Lad McConkie and you have guys like. Keon Coleman or Xavier Leggett that maybe, um, you know, are going to be in that conversation as well. But it's a long, it's a long wait from pick 28 to your, to your second round pick and a lot of guys come off the board. And so um, to me, I think the bills are, if you, you have to be, you can't go into it with any foregone conclusions. Mm -hmm. I think you see what falls to you at 28 and assuming you stay put at 28, if a if a premier defensive lineman is there at 28, you may have to think about just making that pick at 28 and then mm-hmm. starting to get on the horn and trying to move back up in the second round with those 10 draft picks that you have. So that's kind of it. how I see it right now in February. For, again, in February, that's the key word here in February, because what happens if in free agency we don't land uh, like a, a, a boundary receiver we feel comfortable with? Then you find yourself right. in the Kyrie, the Kyrie Elam situation, right? Like, yeah. oh, uh, 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 who's who's left at 28? Brian Thomas has been drafted. Troy Franklin's been drafted. Uh, Javon Baker, you're you're it. We, we got to take you. So free agency kind of maybe dictates a little bit what the Buffalo Bills do at pick 28 and whether they feel comfortable, finger quotes, reaching for, for a Javon Baker. But Javon Baker is a guy we'll both definitely have our eyes on this week. And, you know, I mentioned the warm and fuzzy zone and Brian Thomas Jr. is there. Troy Franklin's there. Javon Baker's there. There's another three names. Can any of these guys test themselves into the sort of the warm and fuzzy zone? Xavier Mm -hmm. Leggett out of South Carolina. 
Keon Coleman out of Florida State, Adane Mitchell out of Texas. These are like again perimeter guys. We'll we'll talk about the the other the other type of guys, the Roman Wilsons, the Ricky Pearsalls of the world in a little bit. But for now, let's let's take take our focus on the perimeter field stretching type of guys here. Leggett, Coleman, Mitchell. What are, what are your thoughts on these three? Uh, I think personally for me, I think Leggett and Coleman are. I don't want to. I don't want to disparage Mitchell either because that guy can mm-hmm. track the freaking ball, man. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things that he's, really he's sold the me biggest, on him. He's the biggest boomer bust guy in this draft, man. Like I it's him and Chop. Like it's just because the production is really not there. Like it, it is more so for Donnie Mitchell as a receiver than it was for Chop as a defensive end. But yeah. man, I mean, he did Adana, have eleven. Donnie is production or is is projection central. Yeah, he's projection central. I mean, he did have eleven. Receiving mm-hmm. touchdown last year, yeah, but he his ability his ability to track I think is is maybe the best in the class. I mean, it's it's up there, right? Like he can mm-hmm. he can center field a ball like as good as anyone in this class. But Leggett mm-hmm. and Coleman, to me, I feel like profile as more of those guys could be alpha mm-hmm. alphas in the making if they get into the right situation Leggett's ability to make the contested catch to me is something that if you can feel comfortable with some of the stuff that he's gone through injury wise and and maybe some of the inconsistencies he's had but I think to me what really showed me what Xavier Leggett was about was the fact that he, we knew he was going through some kind of injury there at senior bowl practice Mm -hmm. week, gutted it out that second day and said, I'm here. I'm going to put one good day out there and that's going to be fine. And we know he was hurting. Um, Mm -hmm. That to me is a guy that, that is a competitor. And so I think for me, like I, I kind of put Leggett maybe as the first guy in that next group. Yeah. And then it's a toss up for me between Mitchell and Coleman at that point. Yeah. You know, I, I, you're spot on. I think Leggett's number one. I think Greg Tom set. We were having this conversation in the cover one group chat was spot on. He was like, if you're just judging Xavier Leggett based on his senior season, this last season, he's a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. Like he's like AJ Brown type of like clone, but it took five years for that to happen. <laughs> like it, he has practically no production prior to this year. That's kind of scary. That he's a, a a one-year wonder like that. Keon Coleman, the knock on him is he's not a natural separator, but he can do some freakish, freakish things for his size. I'm I'm hearing Michael Thomas is is a comp that I've heard. Nico Collins is a comp that I've heard. So there are people who are very high on Keon Coleman. He can do freakish things for his size. He's got punt return ability. There are questions about that Florida State offense and whether you get him into a pro style offense, he maybe can be more of a separator over time. Yeah. So you got to be high on Keon Coleman there. And then you mentioned just the special ball tracking ability of Adani Mitchell. You get him more volume. You get him more targets. Um, he just continues to develop and project. And his ceiling could be just as high as any of the receivers in this draft, which makes this just such a tough exercise. And that's what we're going to be keeping our eyes out for, <laughs> our ears out for in Indy. And then, again, I mentioned we're, we're specifically focusing on boundary field stretching receivers right now. So then the next group I have is headlined by Jalen Polk, who's one of my favorite players in this draft. 
He gives me sort of Jacoby Myers vibes, six foot two, 204. His 40 time is going to be a question mark. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. It'll probably be more in the Gabriel Davis range, right? Then, um, you know, some of these other guys, 505, 505 snaps on the boundary this past season, the 306 slot snaps. So he is primarily or was primarily at Washington, a boundary receiver. I love Jalen Polk's game. If we went, you mentioned like if Byron Murphy or Newton falls to us in the first round or like Jared verse falls to us in the first round, or we take Tyler Newbin, the safety in the first round. Like if we go defense in the first round, man, Jalen Polk would be not a bad consolation prize at pick 60. No, he wouldn't be as well as some of the other names. I know you're about to mention here, but mm-hmm. I, it's interesting. These guys that, are receivers on teams where there's another receiver that's ahead of them in the yeah. draft class. And yet these second guys are still, we're still talking about Washington's got three. Cause we got McMillan to talk about yeah, McMillan too. too. It like, <laughs> it's, it's insane how some of these like top, I mean, and, and just look at who you have, right. You have Washington national championship. You have LSU perennial, you know, mm. top, team in the sec of ohio state with marvin harrison playoff team typically and then you have like guys like troy franklin oregon also mm-hmm. obviously uh you know have been in the college it's, it's just the 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 rich in college football have wide receivers man and that's <laughs> that's what it is and so washington yeah. certainly not uh not short on wide receivers so i feel like michael penix had a mm-hmm. had a, a nice time there um uh, they're throwing the ball to these guys, but yeah, yeah Polk would be a nice consolation prize. I, I do. Agree. You, 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 sp- you speak about these big, powerful programs, right? I think the biggest wild card in Indy and the interviews are going to be big for this guy because you know, he's got some off the field baggage. That's Jermaine Burton. I think he's most known for the, the incident when the Tennessee fans stormed the field, he st- stuck his arm out, struck a woman, um, you know, knocked her down. Nick Saban went, went to bat for him, defended him, but he's also yep. had some issues there at Alabama. Interviews are going to be big for him. But yes. Jermaine, Bur- Jermaine Burton, man, and I know you got some statistics you're probably going to share about Jermaine Burton, but I get some Kenny Stills vibes with him, which I think would be like a really good type of receiver to add to this receiver room. Six foot one, 194 pounds, boundary field stretcher, man. You can use him in the slot to stretch the field as well. Jermaine Burton could be a guy who could be available in the third round of this draft. Uh, the third round, maybe even the fourth round. Uh, so a guy like Jermaine Burton is a real wild card, and I'm going to keep an eye out for him in Indy. Yeah, I mean, the incident, like you said, the interviews are going to be really crucial mm-hmm. for him. So for Jermaine Burton, it's the kind of stuff you're not going to see on TV, maybe just as, if not more important than what yeah. you are going to see on TV. I do expect him to test pretty well. Um, third highest average depth of target of all wide receivers. Um, mm-hmm. with a minimum of 50 targets, zero drops on 57 targets in 2023. Um, and they PFF has only charged him with four drops in his entire career on 197 targets, mm-hmm. uh, 132 receptions. So the hands are there for a guy like Jermaine Burton and for uh, Bill's Mafia, who's at times been frustrated and seeing some drops from the likes of Dawson Knox and Gabriel Davis and even Stefan Diggs this year. Mm-hmm. Those sure hands are are something nice to, uh, to keep an eye on. So I expect him to be, uh, to have a strong showing when it comes to the, uh, to the hands, uh, drills there Mm -hmm. in Indy. A couple other guys who could be day two guys, maybe early day three guys. Brendan Rice certainly has his fans, son of Jerry Rice from the 
Senior Bowl, six foot three, two hundred ten pounds. The college production wasn't really there. Colorado transferred to USC. I think forty time will be big for him. Jamari Thrash. I know John Humcomp was not very high on him at the Senior Bowl because he was having some issues catching the ball. But six one, one hundred eighty five pounds. So it's not exactly like he's a munchkin. He was primarily a perimeter receiver in college. Can he stay that way? That's really the question. Um, and then some other boundary guys as we get into day three. The biggest loser, the senior bowl, Tez Walker. Yeah. You know, he could be a reclamation project. A team might take a flyer on on day three. There, someone will take a flyer on him on someday at day three, maybe even day two still. Um, some really interesting Bruce Feldman freak list guys. Ryan Flournoy out of Southeast Mississippi State and Bub Means out of the University of Pittsburgh. I just want to read sort of their mock-ups right here for Bruce Feldman's freak list. Bub Means, this wide receiver on the University of Pittsburgh, he began his career as a defensive back at Tennessee, then transferred to Louisiana Tech, where he blossomed into a big play receiver. He transferred again, landing at Pitt, where he averaged 18 yards a catch this season. Means has excellent size and speed at six foot two, 215 pounds. Last offseason, he clocked a 4-3-6-40 in vertical jump 39 inches. I expect he'll be back and possibly exceed those numbers in Indy. He is going to blow up the combine. The name Bub Means is going to be a guy that we talk about. I'm adding him to my uh, list because he's, he's not even on my player list right and now. So I'm adding him right now. <laughs> I went into PFF today just to do some like more research on Bub Means. And there was one game where he was targeted 11 times, didn't catch a ball. Uh, <laughs> so that's something I'm gonna have to look into. Uh, not a very good catch percentage compared to the number of targets he had, but who knows? It's the University of Pittsburgh. They were not great this year, so I don't want to discount someone when the quarterback might have just been downright awful. Uh, yeah. Ryan Flournoy from Southeast Missouri State had no Division One offers out of high school and began his career at Division Two Central Missouri, where he tore his ACL at FCS Southeast Missouri State. Flournoy, a 3.9 GPA student, impressed coaches with his worth at work ethic. Last offseason, the six foot two, 205 pound vertical jumped 41 inches, broad jumped 10, 10 and a half, and ran a laser timed 4-4 on the 40 with 4-3-5 hand time. His shuttle time was 4-2-2, and his L drill was 6-6-6. That's less than a tenth of a second off of Jackson Smith and Jigba's 6-5-7, which was the quickest time of anyone at the 2023 Combine. So he is an athlete on day three on the boundary that you could take a flyer on, kind of like the Buffalo Bills took a flyer on Justin Shorter and the mm -hmm. back half of the draft this season. So those are some names to keep in mind if you are Bills Mafia on the boundary. I really like Cornelius Johnson as well out of the University of Michigan in the sixth, seventh round. Marcus Rosemary, uh, Jack Saint as well from Georgia. So there are some names, right, on the boundary that, could pop an indie the bills could take a flyer on late so now we have the other receiver position though mm -hmm. and these are the guys who are more inside guys or they're inside outside guys or they're gadget guys and if the buffalo bills address the boundary in free agency or are looking for sort of the illustrious double dip that i think a lot of fans want to see from the wide receiver position it's important to see how these other guys shake themselves out as well you have xavier worthy falling into this category Malachi Corley, Ricky Pearsall, Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, and Jalen McMillan. These guys are all, I, I love all of these guys, yes. right? This draft class is loaded at wide receiver, but the struggle here is they don't make me feel, they make me feel warm and fuzzy as a player. They don't make me feel warm and fuzzy as a fit for the Buffalo Bills, but speak on some of these guys who you like, 
who you'd like to see the Buffalo Bills take, even if maybe they're not a fit. There's one that sticks out really in particular to me. Uh, well, first I'll just say this. We get, we mm-hmm. talk about free agency as well. And like people are talking about Curtis Samuel and like, glad you mentioned something. And I talk about this uh, on our lot. Like our primary need is boundary, right? So it's like, what can you get in free agency? Mm-hmm. If you get a Curtis Samuel in free agency, that's double slot, right? Cause he's primarily playing the slot. Mm-hmm. So now you have Khalil Shakir and Samuel manning the slot. Then you go, you really got to focus on boundary in the draft and probably none of these guys become yeah. in play. But if you go get a boundary guy in free agency, let's say you go out and you, I don't know, maybe you sign a, a Quez Watkins and that doesn't necessarily stop you from taking another boundary guy in, mm-hmm. in the top of the draft. But like, for me, I like Xavier worthy and I like Roman Wilson yeah. out of this group. Um, Xavier Worthy's ability to make that first guy mm-hmm. miss is just so, um, it's really impressive. And then you talk about Roman Wilson, smooth, sure-handed, right? Um, the games I watched, uh, ECU, UNLV, Purdue, he just looks so, mm-hmm. he just, it looked effortless for him. It yeah. looked like as the ball got to him, no wasted motion, no wasted effort, um, top 20 and drop percentage rate. And that's a good thing as far as like where he was there. Um, and he's playing about 70% of his snap snaps out of mm-hmm. the slot. So um, the question is, is he too similar to Khalil Shakir, right? <laughs> In that yeah, regard. I, I'll say this about Roman Wilson, Roman Wilson, by the time this weekend is over, will be considered a first round pick in the NFL draft. Wow. Whether, whether he's a fit with the Buffalo bills or not, I don't know. But my prediction is, He will be considered a first-round pick. Here's what Bruce Feldman had to say about Roman Wilson. Here's our latest two-point stance speedster from the Wolverines. Wilson clocked a 4-3-3-40 last offseason. Even more impressive, Wilson ran a sizzling 6-20 three-cone and topped everyone at Michigan with a 3-7-7 shuttle time. Those two times have been met with some disbelief in combine training circles, So there will be a lot of eyeballs on Michigan's top receiver, Wilson, who also flew up the Wolverine, blew up the Wolverines reactive plyo stairs in 2.22 seconds, tops in the program and had a fantastic few days at the senior bowl. If he tests like that in Indy. So you're saying he's a freak. (laughs) If he tests like that in Indy, he's a first round pick. He's probably going to the Kansas City Chiefs to pick 32. Um, We, We need to take him just to spite. Kansas City, honestly, if that's but the then, but then I will say this: I am more now. I'm more on board now with Xavier Worthy. I think yeah. that I had been previously. Enough people who watch the tape that I trust say, "Listen, this guy isn't just a speedster. This guy's got the whole package. He's got the ability." We, we've had this conversation before, right? What 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 makes Tyree Kill so special? It's not that he's fast. It's that he can control his speed. And that is something Xavier Worthy has the ability to do. He has the ability to not just be stupid fast, but he can control it. And he can stop and start on a dime. He's got run after the catch ability. He can make that first guy miss like you mentioned. He is six foot one. He's 172 pounds. That's where... The issue lies with Xavier Worthy, and you think to yourself, "It's like he 
man, where does that fit in Buffalo? Because Buffalo wants these guys to run block, and Buffalo's going to want them to play on the perimeter. He was a primary, primarily perimeter player at Texas. He played a majority of the snaps on the perimeter at Texas. But can that translate into the National Football League? But this is a guy who clocked a 10-5-5, 100-meter. He's a track star, right? Like, he he's gotten stronger over the years, right? There's been a lot of buzz around his training sessions. He clocked 22.7 miles per hour on a punt return against Ohio, Iowa State last year. Um, he might run in the four twos. Like he might legitimately run in the four twos. Like this, th- this guy's le- he's, I think I might move him up to wide receiver five on my board. I think he might jump Troy Franklin. He might even jump Brian Thomas jr. For me, probably won't at the end of the day, jump Brian Thomas jr. For me. But the thing to, to note about Xavier worthy is he's been good since he was a freshman. Like they talk about breakout age a lot. His breakout age was like 18 and a half years old. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a guy who's 20 years old. So Xavier worthy, the Xavier worthy you're getting, if you take him the first round on a five-year deal, you can feel pretty comfortable signing him to another five-year deal at the end of that contract. And you're getting this dude for 10 years. You're getting this dude for a decade to go fly around the football field. So it'll be really interesting to see. I think maybe Deshaun Jackson might be kind of like an interesting, like, comp but i think he might be i don't i don't want to say better than deshaun jackson because john jackson was very good but more versatile than deshaun jackson so xavier worthy man uh i've i've come full circle on him from very hesitant to on board yeah i know chris chouse loves him right i mm-hmm. mean he had him in the cover one sort of survey the pre-combine survey he was yeah. he he picked xavier worthy as his guy for the bills in the first round and um i think in other years like we'd be talking about him as maybe the top one of the top three mm-hmm. wide receivers in the class, but because we have Harrison neighbors, a dune, like I'm not going to argue with someone if they want to put him in the top five ranking uh, for this yeah. year, because honestly, like after the first two or three, like we said at the onset, it's kind of, there's a, there's enough of a question mark with each guy, but there's enough talent from each guy that you could justify mm-hmm. any one of these guys being in the top 10, top 15. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. And then the names we didn't even mention Malachi Corley, the yak King, Ricky Pearsall and lad McConkey, who are two very polished route runners who are going to test better than people think. These are all top 40 picks, man. Like there are legitimately like almost 15 receivers who are like, good enough to go in the top 40. They're not all going to go in the top 40 picks, Mm -hmm. but like they're good enough. And then we didn't even mention Jalen McMillan from Washington, who was a little injured this year. But if you go back to his tape, most people who went back to his tape when he was healthy, are like this, this dude's, this dude's a day two pick, right? There are some people who are like, Hey, when healthy Jalen McMillan kind of look like a fringe first rounder. I've heard that from some people I trust. And then you got some sleeper day three guys. Malik Washington blew up the shrine bowl. Jacob mm-hmm. Cowing, uber productive in in college. Taj Washington had a big Shrine Week, and now he's getting a real cult following as sort of like a Quez Watkins like slot speedster type. Jordan Whittington as a big slot has his fans. Anaya Smith out of Texas A and M, former running back, special teams guy, he's got fans. And I'll tell you, the number one guy that I think a lot of Bills fans do not know exists but will know exists when the combine is over is wide receiver, Anthony Gould out of Oregon state. He was pac 12 special teams player of the year. He returned a punt for a touchdown against uh, in, in the shrine bowl. 
he's a guy who is a pretty good gadget, like Isaiah McKenzie, maybe type receiver, like probably going to be your fourth, fifth receiver because he's mm. smaller in stature, five foot eight, 165 pounds, but he's plug and play return man. Like he's plug and play Demario Davis. Like he's plug and play uh, De- DeAndre Carter. Like he's plug and play like return guy, right? So here's the Bruce Feldman freak list breakdown on Anthony Gould. The Beavers might have had the fastest wideout tandem in college football last year with Gould and Silas Bolden. Neither is particularly big, but both can flat out fly. Bolden is still in college, but Gould, 44 catches for 770 for 711 yards and two touchdowns, is in the draft, and he is one of the scouts' picks to win fastest man in Indy this year. He flashed that explosiveness in the Shrine Bowl with an 80-yard punt return touchdown. The 5'8", 165-pound Gould, an All-American return man in 2020, was a high school sprint champ who might run in the four twos. Mm. He's a guy who I think a lot of people are talking about right now as a fifth or a sixth-round pick. We'll be talking about as a third or a fourth-round pick by the time the combine is over. I already know Daniel Harms of the Cover One Draft Weekly podcast is a big fan of him, wants him to go to Kansas City and be a chief. I think Anthony Gould, if Deontay Hardy goes, is a really good double-dip candidate for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and in that case, you just hope he doesn't come at a steeper price right at that point. Mm -hmm. So like, if the Bills do want to double-dip, it could be that they they maybe have to do it as early as the fourth round, right, if if that's Mm -hmm. the case. So... Um, definitely looking for on the double from the double dip perspective, guys that have that return ability because time will tell, right? In free agency, if the Bills decide to keep Deontay Hardy around, Naheem Hines, obviously, there's mm-hmm. a question mark whether or not he might be on the chopping block as well. But the Bills really do need to go on the go into the draft with at least one guy on the roster with some return ability. If that happens to be Naheem Hines. Well, that's at the running back position. So now all of a sudden you open yourself up to maybe a guy like Anthony Gould becomes Mm -hmm. even more interesting if you're the Bills in that situation. So time will tell. Yeah, some other names to keep an eye on. Johnny Wilson, really big, probably more of a tight end. 16% drop rate in college. Like, I'm just not the biggest Johnny Wilson guy like others I didn't know. He kind of reminded me of, uh, like, he's like the James Williams of the offense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what what, what, what (laughs) is He's Darren Waller to me, like, and he might, he'll probably go on day two because of that. But, um, I know a lot of people who watch tape are just not big fans of Johnny Wilson. He was in Arizona state before he went to Florida state. He didn't even have a lot of offers outside of Arizona state. He didn't even look all that great at Arizona state. He's just really big. Like, um, Lediatric Griffin from Mississippi state. He's a burner. Jaquan Jackson from Tulane. He's gotten a lot of comps to the likes of like Demario Davis. He's got his fans. Luke McCaffrey, bro- brother of Christian McCaffrey, Tavion Robinson, and Isaiah Williams from Illinois had a big shrine. Again, like this is just a deep, deep, deep wide receiver class, like just absolutely loaded. There are some options for the Buffalo Bills that they want to double dip on day number two. On to the running back position now, and here's one of my hot takes for this year's NFL draft. No round one running back this year. That's obvious, right? A hot take, I, there might not even be a running back taken in the second round of the draft this year. Like we we might not get our first running back selected until the third round of the NFL draft this year. And to me, there's a list almost 10 long of guys competing to be the first running back on the board because it's not consensus. The hot name right now, the hot name right now, especially going into Indy because he's probably going to test pretty well, is Jalen Wright out of Tennessee. Like he's the name to keep an eye out for. He's the one who's going to blow up numbers wise. But then you have Braylon Allen, the young guy who's like 20 years old from Wisconsin, like Saquon Barkley size, like big. 
Uh, you got Trey Benson. You got Jonathan Brooks, uh, who's getting a lot of Dalvin Cook sort sort of comps out of Texas. You got Blake Corman, Blake, excuse me, Blake Corum, the the national champion. That squatty contact balance, sort of uh, Doug Martin type of running back, muscle hamster. You got Audrey Gastame, that Leonard Fournette type out of Notre Dame, who's everyone's favorite. Bucky Irving out of Oregon as his fans. Marshawn Lloyd out of USC as his fans. And Will Shipley out of Clemson as his fans. Like, literally, so many, like, just definition of third-round running backs in this draft. Not all of them are going to go into the third round. Some of them are going to drop into the fourth round. Would it be tempting, if you're the Buffalo Bills, to snatch one of these guys if they're sitting there in round four? Yeah, if they're sitting there in round four, I mean, look, like again, these ratings and end of February rankings and end of February obviously don't mean much, but like the highest ranked mm-hmm. running back that PFF has going into the combine on their big board is 59th overall prospect. Yeah. So you're talking about like you're starting to get into the to the third round there as you start to mm-hmm. get right into the the sixty, the mid mid and lower sixties. So mm-hmm. again, it's just one ranking i get that but like to me i agree this does not seem like the best running back class with that said there are some fits i think for the bills if they're looking for a yeah. compliment to james cook but yeah I, I i'm with you i i mean i like jalen Wright. i i watched a couple yeah. of the games earlier today some of the um snaps from him i don't know about bucky irving i think he's probably mm-hmm. not he's really small. a compliment yeah. to to james cook but even though i do like I- him Dude, the um, thought the thought of Trey Benson or Braylon Allen or Blake Corum or Audrey Gastame or Marshawn Lloyd, the thought of one of those guys complimenting James Cook and the Bills maybe being able to get one of those guys in the fourth round, man, that's just so tempting. Like just yeah. so tempting. Yeah. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd, I you know, watched a couple of games of his today, uh, the snaps, and he has some burst. Um, mm-hmm. I think Marshawn Lloyd's gonna be an interesting one to see his testing numbers, especially on the 40, yeah. right? Because he's at the senior bowl, five, nine, two seventeen, right? So he's not like, he's perfect not the smallest, running back. not perfect not size smallest, running back in my opinion, good size for running back. Mm-hmm. Um, not too tall. He's got bursts in the short area. What, mm-hmm. what will his speed be in the 40 will be interesting. Yeah. Um, but the knock on him has been his pass blocking, right? So you wonder yeah. about that as a fit for the bills, but yeah, I do like, I do like Marshawn Lloyd estimate, obviously Nate Geary, yeah. big fan, Notre and Dame guy. So Chris Kepner, big fan of, of, of Audrey estimate as well. But like, we're talking about all these guys that like some of these guys are going to go in the third round. They can't all possibly go in the third round, which is going to push some of them into the fourth round, which is then going to push some of these names into like the fifth and the sixth round. Like Isaiah Davis out of South Dakota state, look at the senior bowl. Ray Davis out of Kentucky has a lot of fans, myself included. Frank Gore Jr., legacy guy out of Southern Miss, blew up the Shrine Bowl. Isaac Garendo out of Louisville, very low volume, but he's a guy people project to be a better pro than he was college player, kind of like Isaiah Pacheco was, um, going to the Kansas State Chiefs out out of Rutgers. Dylan Johnson, who's that bruiser out of Washington. Dylan Loeb out of New Hampshire, very popular name right now because of his senior bowl week. Cody Schrader. Very popular because of what he did at the Senior Bowl out of Missouri. Kamani Vidal out of Troy. Like these are guys the Buffalo Bills could pick up realistically. Some of these guys in the fifth round, some of these guys in the sixth and the seventh round, and they could make an impact their rookie year if the Buffalo Bills don't address a lot of running back outside of maybe just bringing back Ty Johnson. I will say this, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, 
Kamani Vidal had caught my eye mm-hmm. um, when I was kind of doing my research today. Second most yards after contact in college football last year. The most 10-plus yard rushes in college football. And keep in mind, I know this is at, at Troy. Eighth yep. best run, black, run blocking running back in college football last year. Last year, double-digit rushing TDs the past two seasons. 92 career receptions, so 23 receptions a season average. And the third most zone rushing attempts in college football. I know James Cook had a pretty even split as far as gap zone mm-hmm. for what the Bills kind of evolved a bit last year, but he's 5'7", 215. It's like, is he a Devin Singletary clone? Because mm-hmm. I, I wonder, testing I think is going to be important for yeah. him because if he shows some decent, and he and he's not, he, he doesn't look fast in mm-hmm. games. So like, at least to me, he didn't. And again, that was with Troy. So I don't expect yeah. him to have necessarily a good 40 time, but if Vidal has a good 40 time, that could that could sell it for me, and he could yep. be a guy that like come day three, like I'll be I'll be pounding the table for him. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned the names like Rasheen Ali out of Marshall who got hurt, so he won't be ready, I think, until after the season starts or mid season. Amani Bailey from TCU, sort of that dual threat pass catching back out of TCU, had a big Senior Bowl week. Uh, Dewan Edwards out of Georgia. We haven't mentioned the Georgia guy. Jace McKellen out of Alabama. Haven't even mentioned the Alabama guy. Keelan Robinson, a young guy out of Texas, coming out probably a little earlier than he should have. High upside there. Um, Tyrone Tracy, former wide receiver, impressing people at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, Mayan Williams, Ohio State, another sort of big school running back. So, I mean, the Buffalo Bills could like. Let's see who pops in Indy, like, right? Like, that's the whole sort of, um, you know, what we're going into this week because which one of these guys are going early, which one of these guys will be available to the Buffalo Bills late. I love yeah. the idea of, I love the idea of Frank Gore Jr. and Ray Davis. Those are the two guys I, like I think Ray are Davis highest on, on my list, but I, I like Kamani Vidal, as you said as well. All right, on to now offensive line. And we'll take some time to talk a little bit offensive line here because the Buffalo Bills could always be looking to dive into the offensive line. You always want to add, you know, big bodies in the draft, whether it be on the offensive line or the defensive line. We won't dive in too much on this show, um, but this offensive tackle class is historically loaded, just like this wide receiver class is historically loaded. There's a a pretty decent cornerback class and quarterback class as well. Um, But as we get to sort of like pick 60 and then more likely in round three, Brandon Bean might be tempted to take a guy who falls in this loaded class because of the depth. And because we have two pending unrestricted free agents in Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown. So I think we sleep on it now, but like we're sitting there in the third round and there's an off to tackle that maybe in another year would be a second round pick. And he's there in the third round pick. Like we could see a guy, we could see a Spencer Brown type investment in an offensive lineman here this year, off the tackle specifically. Yeah, and I mean, we thought maybe last year that they would go the mm-hmm. direction of tackle, but it seemed like they were really trying to solidify the interior last year, yeah. obviously with the David Edwards signing, Connor McGovern, and then they went and drafted Torrance. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the year they kind of, I don't know, want to say surprise us again, but maybe invest a bit more in tackle and make this like a little bit of a two-year plan to really shore up the offensive line mm-hmm. for for now and for the future, right? I do think mm-hmm. that, a lot will depend on what they can do in free agency because I don't know that the bills will be in a position where they can spend a premium draft pick. When I say premium, I mean like mm-hmm. I'll say day two, right? Cause I don't think they're taking offensive line in the first round. That would yeah. be a huge shock, but day two, I'll say 
would be definitely a, a, a pretty big shock if they took, if they took offensive line. Um, but if they feel like that's the plan that they want to go with and they've maybe addressed some things in free agency, you can't count it out. Now mm-hmm. I do worry a little bit about the future beyond 2024. Cause you do, you did mention the, yeah. U, the UFAs and Dawkins and Brown, but for me, I, I'm not going offensive line until day three yeah. personally, as it stands right now. Yeah. Some of the third, fourth round names, I think, Maybe Bills fans, if you want to keep an eye out for offensive tackles, these are the names to keep an eye out for. Uh, Kiran Armadedeji out of Yale, Brandon Coleman out of TCU. He can also play on the interior as well. Blake Fisher out of Notre Dame, Delmar Glaze out of Maryland, Christian Jones out of Texas. And I think the guy who's kind of like this year's version of Spencer Brown, but a bigger school version of Spencer Brown, Roger Rosengarten from Washington is a you know taller guy. Um, about 315 pounds. I think Roger Rosengarten and Brandon Coleman sort of fit the mold of what Aaron Cromer looks for in in offensive linemen. So if the Bills were in the third round or the fourth round to take an offensive tackle, look for Rosengarten out of Washington. Pay attention to him at the scouting combine this week. Pay attention to Brandon Coleman out of TCU as well because he's versatile and can play all over the offensive line. If the Bills were to go offensive line later, some names to keep an eye on, Matt Gonclaves from Pittsburgh, Garrett Greenfield, who had a really good Shrine Week from South Dakota State, Julian Pearl from Illinois, Javon Foster from Missouri, who flashed a little bit at the Senior Bowl, Ethan Driscoll from Marshall. has got that Connor McDermott type of like body and potential. Um, Anim uh, Dankwa from Howard is a sort of project off of the tackle that a lot of people are projecting to go late. Keep an ear out, an eye out for him at the Combine. And then my personal favorite, Walter Rouse from Oklahoma, Stanford transfer. I know Aaron Cromer likes guys who go to uh, schools with pedigrees for developing offensive linemen. And when he was in L.A., they drafted a lot of Oklahoma guys, guys like Bobby Evans. I think a guy like Walter Rouse is someone who could really intrigue Aaron Cromer. Could be a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. Nice long arms. Bills. Yeah. yeah. So, so Walter Rouse is one of my favorites in this draft. He'll probably be my no matter what at offensive tackle this year. So uh, I really do like Walter Rouse from Oklahoma. And then right now, maybe a, a day three investment um, is in the cards for interior offensive line. You obviously have a guy like David Edwards possibly on his way out. So you're looking for another body there on the interior. But we're still early in the offseason. What if the Buffalo Bills decide to cut bait with Mitch Morse or Ryan Bates is released and or traded. And this is a whole different conversation that we're having about the interior of the offensive line come draft day. I know a lot of people want to look for a developmental center as well. Uh, so for now, let's just stick with some day three interior offensive linemen, some guards I would keep an eye on Isaiah Adams, Javion Cohen from Miami. And I'll tell you what, here's the real sleeper. We talked about Andrew Voorhees last year, sort of a medical redshirt type of guy. Do we take Voorhees on day three? and just redshirt him for a year and have him available the next year. How about Zach Zinter from Michigan, a guy who probably would have been a day two pick. He's not going to play in 2024 with the injury that he uh, suffered late in the season. Medical redshirt year for him is rookie year. The Buffalo Bills certainly have that luxury with 10 draft picks. If Zach Zinter sitting there in the, in the third round or so um, the Buffalo bill or not the third round, the third day or the Buffalo bills could easily consider it. And the medicals will be huge for him in Indy. Yeah, they will. And we saw Voorhees drop like a rock uh, when that kind mm-hmm. of uh, same situation came up for him. 
Yeah. Um, look, and this is a situation where you look at the bills and they have 10 draft picks. And if they end up keeping, let's say 10 draft picks or even nine, then mm -hmm. this type of pick maybe makes more sense, right? Because again, you don't need it necessarily for this year, but for beyond 2024. And if you can get a guy of value, you just have to make sure. And if you're going to make that investment that you are fully confident, that guy's going to be back for 2025. And mm -hmm. if you're willing to put a draft pick in 2024 towards 2025, knowing the guy's not going to play, you just got to be sure. So like you said, mm -hmm. the medicals got to come back uh, clean for them. Some development or centers. I think Bo Lemur might actually go on day two, but Bo Lemur out of Arkansas is a guy who's got a lot of fans. Keep an eye out for him at the combine. Again, Aaron Comer likes guys from pedigree programs. Tanner Bordellini from Wisconsin is not a center that you wanted to take lightly. He's a guy. Pay attention to him at the combine. We're in day three of the draft. He's sitting there on the board. The Buffalo Bills might take a developmental center of the future and, and a guy like Bordellini. Uh, Kingsley Egabon from Florida, a guy who played next to Osiris Torrance in the pivot there. Someone the Buffalo Bills have clearly seen because they added Richard Grage last year as well. And then my favorite sleeper in this draft is, is Hunter Nazard from Penn State. I think he's got a he's a little shorter, six foot two, but a body composition very similar to Ryan Bates. He was versatile, played all along the offensive line at Penn State. So I think a guy like Hunter Nazard reminds me a lot, really, of Ryan Bates. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about Hunter Nazard outside of a couple of people I follow, like Marcus Whitman. So he had a big shrine week. I think Hunter Nazard could be a guy who A goes sooner than people think. And B, if he doesn't, would be a real steal for the Buffalo Bills some, somewhere on day three as just a uh, a guy they can bring in as a ninth offensive lineman who could develop into a, a really good, like versatile backup. Maybe not a starter, but really reminds me of Ryan Bates. So it'll be really interesting to see his testing numbers and his physical attributes. And I'm going to compare that to Ryan Bates, just like with Easton Gibbs. I'm going to be comparing to, to Matt Milano, like I mentioned on Monday show. Yeah. And it seems like we've been asking the Bills or hoping the Bills would take a center. It's not like a, mm -hmm. whether it's a developmental center or a guy that had some interior flexibility for some time now. So it would be nice knowing that again, what we know in February, we expect Mitch Morse to be back for this year. Um, contract situation aside, whether he takes a pay cut doesn't mm -hmm. really matter if he's back for this year, he's still only under contract for mm -hmm. 2024. So are the bills future plans to move Ryan Bates into that pivot? If so, you're still going to need to have someone mm -hmm. behind him at that point. Do you make that investment this year? We will see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this evening. What's on deck here at the Air Raid Hour next week? We'll be recapping the combine on Monday. We'll talk about offense or defense. And then on Thursday, we'll talk about whatever we don't talk about on Monday. Uh, and then we'll also talk about any rumors that drop at the combine, any of the scuttlebutt that we hear from the ground in Indy. And then the week after that, we are officially out of prediction mode and free into agency. reaction mode as free agency gets underway. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And until next time, go Bills. Go Bills. Thank you for watching tonight's episode of the Air Raid Hour. Make sure to hit that like button on the way out. If you are catching the show on demand, leave a reply in the comment section and we will respond over the course of the week. You can always listen to every episode next day on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify by searching Air Raid Buffalo. Thank you for your continued support and as always, Go Bills!